0: Got quite a few folks out. We've been uh, we've been practicing as a choir, and uh, we got a youth choir, got a ladies' choir. Tonight we'd like to have a anybody who wants to sing in the choir. So if half the people want to sing in the choir, we'd like to have half of you. Anybody over half has to sit there to be the audience. <laughs> <laughs> got a volunteer right here. <laughs> but uh, I, I appreciate uh, all those uh, who. Uh, uh, have practiced with us, and and, uh, and so if anybody else is missing, come on up. But um, we're going to be singing number 210, Saved by the Blood. If y'all can, let's all stand. 210. <laughs> Please do be seated well it is good being the Lord's house here today and uh, it's nice having somebody in the choir isn't it amen. now I haven't said that it's not nice for me because I'm looking out here there's a lot of empty seats amen <laughs> but uh, uh, we do have quite a bit of sickness summer, and some are traveling and different things like that so do be in prayer about that but um, uh, We're experiencing a few growing pains here. I appreciate. I don't want to embarrass her, but I appreciate Joanna. We called her last night, jumped in because Dania is sick, and and uh, she got up to speed on our choir special. I really wanted to have a choir special today, and so she got up to speed on that. So I'm just thankful for her, and um, and so we're doing things a little bit on the fly here today. But if you will forgive me, we'll uh, uh, we'll we'll get through it. Amen. Um, uh, I don't. If, if you have any announcements, look in the bulletin. Amen. <laughs> okay. And, uh, oh, I will say this. We will be having an activity this Friday night here at uh, our house. starts at 630. And uh, and so for the teens uh, to have a, a time of fellowship, and so we're looking forward to that. Uh, we're going to receive our morning tithes and offerings at this time. For men will come. Hey, Amen. I'll pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the privilege to sing your praises. Father, we just uh, pray that you'd meet with us today. Just uh, help us with your word, Lord. Help us to apply it to our hearts. Father, help us to live it. Help us to glorify you. And help us to truly be looking for your soon coming. Be with those who are apart from us. Let your will be done. And Father, we do pray for all that you're doing in Israel, in Jerusalem. Father, help us never to forsake your people. And Father, we just uh, pray that everything would be done for your glory and honor today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to do our special now so that they can actually sing when we do the song service. Amen. But uh, this is a song that uh, we found the hymnal and, and uh, listen to the words and I, I pray it'll be a blessing. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Uh, we're going to sing uh, number 492. 492. 26 you know when we sing these songs we're worshiping think about the words but uh, more about jesus that's what we came here for today isn't it amen more about jesus And uh, I tell you what, I really enjoyed Sunday school, and so I'm looking forward to this morning. Uh, Brother Jeff Hastings is with us, if you haven't heard already, and uh, we want to welcome our visitors. We're glad that you're here, and uh, brother, I don't want to take any more of your time, so you come preach the word of God to us.
1: Thank you, appreciate it. It's so good to be here today, so thankful for each one, and if you're visiting here, I don't know who's visitors, who's members, so that's a good thing, but I do come back but Pastor Bradshaw is going to be preaching. I know you'll enjoy that, and I always want to say that. I am pastor in Columbia, in, in Bible Baptist Church in Columbia, Missouri. We started the work out of Calvary Baptist Church in Nostra, Missouri, about, well, it was 2004, so 2024 will be 20 years ago, and we established the church and uh, organized it in 2010, and the work is going well, uh, God's Uh, doing what only he could do i couldn't take credit for if i wanted to and and uh, see god establish a new testament church it's been amazing and we're thankful for that it's good to have my daughter lydia and madeline and luke with us and so luke is one of uh, the only boy of six children five girls he's the baby and i said we named him that way so whenever all the five girls are gone i can say only luke is with me amen (laughs) and it'll be it'll be biblical that way and so uh And so that that, that really wasn't it, it just happened to be that way. So, well, find your Bibles today, turn over the book of 1 John, the little letter of 1 John towards the back of your New Testament there. And uh, as you turn over there, uh, I want to preach this morning through this letter, really just in chapter 2 and into chapter 3. And, um, you know, this little epistle or letter, uh, we say book, is a book of assurance. It's a book uh, that you can know some things, matter of fact, that word know. K-N-O-W is used 27 times in, in these five chapters, and so it's written to, to believers in general and, uh, and some things that can be known and should be known even this morning. And so as, as we think about our society, our nation, our country, Israel, all that's going on in the world, you could certainly say, what in the world, what is this world coming to? And why I'd say this is coming to Jesus. That's what it's coming to. And, uh, and so you, you don't have to wonder about that. Whenever you read the Bible, you can see everything that's taking place um, is exactly what is, is expected to take place, and we're going to look about living in the last times, how how to not fall away in the last days. And I think this will be an important message if you're saved today, how to know to abide, how to uh, look for His appearing, and, and what we're supposed to do in the meantime. If you're not saved today, today would be a great day to be saved, because we uh, John, the, the writer here, the human writer, he believed he lived in the last times, and, uh, and rightly so, whenever Jesus ascended back to heaven, the last time started. And, uh, and the rapture of the saints can take place any time, it's imminent. And so it's without signs or warnings, it's like a thief in the night. The signs of the time is, is later, that's seven years later, and so uh, we live in the last minutes of the last days of the last times. And so surely the Lord Jesus comes uh, quickly. And so we're not looking for a sign. We're looking for the Savior. Our eyes, we should lift up our eyes. Our redemption draweth nigh. And so in this little letter here, it writes about life, about eternal life, and really about everyday life. And so it's a real practical book. And I'm I'm into the practical. I want to know what does the Bible say and what does it mean to me today? And what am I supposed to do with it? And so we'll try to make some application uh, this morning. Four times in this little letter... John writes again by the Holy Spirit of God and says, "These things have I written unto you." And then he says, "What?" In in chapter one, verse four, he says that your joy may be full, and so that your joy, I would say, would be perfected. And the word the Bible uses the word perfect or uh, uh, perfect as mature, and so that uh, a Christian's life can be joyous, that it can be full, that it can be perfected. And and this letter, when you study this letter, it gives you assurance. It gives you joy. You think, man, praise God, I'm on the winning side. And then he writes in chapter 2 and verse 1 that these things are written unto you that you sin not. And so he says, listen, as a believer, don't sin. If we sin, we have an advocate. But it's not the expectation, well, nobody's perfect, I just, I'm just going to live in sin. That's not the expectation for a believer. He's written these things so that we sin not. And he challenges us in In uh, in our life and sin being prevented, and then in chapter two and verse twenty six is kind of the text we're going to be in. He says, "I write these things concerning them that seduce you." And there's going to be always people that are trying to trick us, to try to uh, trap us, to try to draw us away, to make us question our faith, make us question. The Bible, if it's true, question whether we, why we go to church, what we do, is God real? Is this whole thing real? Is faith real? And there's always going to be those in the last days, more so, that are going to try to seduce the believers. In John's day, there was this group called the Gnostics. That's kind of a fancy term, just to say a bunch of know-it-alls. They thought they knew it all, but John says they didn't know it because they, they were saying that Jesus didn't come in the flesh and that Jesus wasn't this and wasn't that. And so they're the original know-it-alls, and, they, and John's saying they don't know it all. And, uh, and so he writes concerning them that seduce you. And then probably the most famous verse in this book is in chapter 5, verse 13, when he says, these things I write unto you, that you may know that you have eternal life. Yeah. And so you can know it. You don't have to walk out of here today like a question mark all bent over. I don't know if I'm saved. You can walk out of here like an exclamation mark. I know I'm saved. Amen. I know I'm saved. I know I've done what the Bible says to do. I can have rock-rib assurance of my faith. I know what the Bible says, and I can be sure of it. And so these things are written uh, for those things. But John is dealing with those that say one thing. If you say, they, uh, they say, and live another. And so it's really a book about fellowship through a relationship through a son. And so we're going to see that here. But I really want to focus in on chapter 2. If you're able to, let's stand. We'll give reverence, reading God's word. We're going to start in verse 18 of chapter 2. So just kind of jump right in the middle of the letter and then go down to chapter 3 in verse number 3. We'll really focus in on the end there, but I want to kind of get a running start to look at the context here. In verse 18, the Bible says, "Little children." Now when John is writing this, he's probably around 80, some say 90 years old, so everybody's a little child <laughs> to, to them. But spiritually, uh, to those that maybe um, are not as long in their faith, he says, Little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, Even now there are many antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. And, And if you've been saved for any amount of time, you know people, whether a preacher or whether it's a church member or a family member that once said they believed in God that no longer No longer claims to believe in God or believe in the truth that they once do. And oftentimes those people will circle back around and try to pull you out from the truth as well. Notice what John says here in verse 21. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it. And that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning ye shall remain in you, ye shall also continue in the Son and in the Father. Now that's going to be one of our first points, that word abide. I circled into my Bible. He's saying, If you if you let that which you have heard from the beginning abide in you, that you'll continue in the Son and in the Father. Notice verse 25, And this is the promise that He hath promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. Verse 27, But the anointing which ye have received of Him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you. That's going to be our second point, not, that not only abiding in Christ or abiding in His Word, but the anointing of Christ. And we'll talk about that. For those that maybe have a charismatic background or been exposed to charismatic people, we'll talk about what the Bible means there when it talks about we have the anointing we have received. Notice it says in verse number 27, it says, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things and its truth and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. And now little children, abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at His coming. That'll be our third point, the appearing of Christ. And notice verse 29, if you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone that doth righteousness is born of Him. Now that that phrase, born of Him, is the first time John uses that in this letter. And then in chapter 3, he's going to use that phrase, or being born of God or a child of God, ten more times. And so it's a real important phrase, and we'll talk about that even as we wrap up the message. Father, we are so thankful for the Word of God. Thank you that it's life-giving Thank you, Lord, that it has a message for us today. And Lord, I'm confident that the Word of God, preached and expounded upon, exposed, opened up and and uh, proclaimed, God will will not return void. We realize it will accomplish its perfect work. And Lord, it's so exciting to be able to preach the Word of God and be underneath the Word of God and see what you'll do in our lives. Thank you for the uh, preservation of it. Thank you, Lord, that we have a New Testament church to stand and assemble in today. Uh, thank you for Pastor Bradshaw and his wife and... Uh, the good folks here, and their hearts desire to hear from you. And Lord, I pray that you just speak to us individually today and accomplish your perfect will, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing for the Word of God this morning. <clears throat> when we try to have fellowship, sometimes people say, well, what is a fellowship? You know, in a Baptist circle, that usually means some kind of potluck, where you're going to you know, break bread, we're having fellowship, we're going to go have fellowship. But really, the, probably the easiest definition, is to hear, is uh, two fellows in a ship rowing the same direction and so you're you're going the same way that that you're not like passing each other you're not like one person's going this way another's going that way and john is writing so the believers can have fellowship not only with them but with the father and with the son he talks in chapter one he says if you walk in the light as he is in light you have fellowship one with another and so we want to we want to be going the same way when when people see christians when they see believers uh, it, it does no good for this uh, confusion and, and people arguing and, and trying to, and I'm not talking about some kind of false unity. Doctrine divides, but doctrine unifies. And so you, you want to stay with the book. You want to stay with the word of God. Not what I believe, what you believe. I always say this, everybody has opinions. They're like armpits. Everyone's got a couple. Usually they stink. <laughs> so I don't, you don't want to know what I believe. What, what do you believe about this? What do you think about this? Well, I've got a lot of opinions. But it's better to know what the word of god says it's better to stay with the bible better to stay with what the bible says and so when you just go through the bible and see what we're supposed to do and 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 uh, this book of fellowship and and he's writing to these believers not because they don't know truth but because they know it and yet they need to be on guard because in the last days there's going to be the antichrist now we know when the the rapture takes place and the tribulation begins to kick off the antichrist is going to show up on the scene but the spirit of Antichrist is already amongst us. The word anti means instead of or against. And anything that's instead of Christ or against Christ is the spirit of Antichrist. And so the spirit of Antichrist is, is very uh, palpable today. Listen, if you name the name of Christ, it's almost like you've got the plague. Like something's wrong with you. Uh, you know, uh, oh, you're one of those crazy, wacko Christians. Well, praise God I am. As matter of fact, the Bible says I'm the salt of the earth. And, uh, and 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 uh, be wise for you to be thankful for me. Because once we're gone, every, all the wheels are falling off of this place. And so we understand that we're to be the salt, we're to be a light, we're, we're to be a testimony, uh, we're, we're to name the name of Christ, and we're to stand and not be ashamed of it. I told this story the other night in, uh, at church that when I was going through physical therapy school, and we had a test, and it was an orthopedic test, and, and our class was there, There's about 40 or 50 of us, and, uh, and the teacher calls me up after the test. Now, I thought I did good. I didn't think I did real good, but I thought I passed it. And he calls me up there and he says, Jeff, are you in a fraternity? I was like, no. And I guess fraternities have test banks where sometimes they'll, they'll steal a test, take it back, and you study the test. And the professors would be maybe lazy, not rewrite tests, so they give tests out again. And so he said, well, you, you, get, you scored 100% on this test. And I was like, yeah. He wasn't as excited as I was. He's still staring at me mean like. And he said, did you cheat? I was like, no. And he said, well, the average was 46. I didn't know what to say except this. This is the first thing that popped in my head. And I did this. Every time I would take a test, I would bow my head, ask Christ to help me do my very best. And so that's what came out. I said, no, sir. I just prayed and asked Jesus Christ to help me do my very best. He goes, go sit down. I thought, well, that worked. Next time I'm going to wear a T-shirt with a big cross on it or something. I carry a big family Bible. Don't mess with me. He wanted nothing to do with that religious stuff. Well, listen, friend, you're, you're always going to be scrutinized by the world. You know, if you, you go back to work on Monday and they say, hey, how was your weekend? You say, oh, "I was great. We went to church. There was a fantastic guest preacher. He was fantastic. They're going to be like, he went to church? It was beautiful on Sunday. We played golf. We did this. We worked outside. We went fishing. You're always going to be questioned. Well, you mean you tithe? You give offerings? You go to church? You sing in the special? You, you go Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night? What? They got something dirt on you or something? What They're like, there's, there's always going to be this. And so how, do you, how are you going to be vindicated of your faith? Well, I'll tell you how when Jesus comes back. When he comes back, it'll all make sense. And it'll all be right. But until then, this world is in chaos the little God of this world is blinded. The Bible says, if our gospel be hid, is hid to those that are lost. The, the, the God of this world blinded their eyes. And so you're going to constantly be questioned, constantly seduced, constantly be questioned about what you believe and why you believe. There's going to be people that once maybe went to church with you that no longer goes to church. And, uh, and they go out from among us because they were not of us. And, and know this once you get saved, this, this letter is very clear. You can't lose your salvation, you don't go in and out of salvation. You get born again. When you get born, you can't get unborn. Right. You pass from death unto life. Amen. And so that is, a, that is a biblical doctrine. The Bible is full of the truth of the eternal security of the believer. They said, preacher, you're just a Baptist preacher. You've always believed. I've not always believed that. I grew up going to Pentecostal, Assembly God, charismatic churches that teach you that if you don't live a certain way, you'll lose your salvation. Right. Now, none of them can tell you where the line's at that if you cross it, but they, te- they teach you that. So I believe that. Even when I started going to a Baptist church and then became sweet on my, my wife, I started going to an independent Baptist church and listening to the preaching, I was like, well, he's just off on that. Now, if, I, if you say, well, because you had scripture, no, I had no idea, just someone had told me that, that you could lose your salvation. But once you start reading the Bible, you realize, you can't lose your salvation. You can't do anything to get your salvation. You can't do anything to lose your salvation. It's by the grace of God. And so we understand that those that would apostatize, the Bible speaks about in the last days, perilous times are going to come. People are going to love themselves, lovers of pleasure, more than love of God, keeping teachers having itching ears. There's going to be a falling away. And so that shouldn't, that shouldn't alarm us. That shouldn't just catch us off guard and say, I can't believe people are not going to church. I can't believe there's people that used to go to church that don't go to church. Listen, that's all part of what's going to take place in these last days. So how do I keep from doing that? How do I get keep from getting picked off by the devil and the spirit of the Antichrist? How do I keep my family in church and myself in church? How do I keep being faithful until Jesus comes back? Well, in our text, we see three things that the Bible tells us to do, and it's not that we don't know the truth, it's that we do know it, and so we have to get a bulldog grip on it. Now, if you know what a bulldog grip is, a bulldog has a nose that turns backwards, so when he grabs a hold of you, he can continue to breathe without letting go. And we have to hang on, not to be saved, we don't hang on for our salvation, but we, we hang on for being faithful. We're, we don't stop going to church because somebody offended me. The preacher didn't shake my hand. The preacher didn't say hi. Now, I'm not, I, I'm, I use these illustrations because I am a preacher, and so I use these same ones where I'm at. All right? So I don't, I'm, I'm guessing Brother Spratshaw shakes everybody's hands, and he's really good at that. I don't always do that. I try to. I try to get around and say hi to everybody. But you know, that is a lousy reason not to go back to church preacher didn't talk to me, or the pastor's wife, or sister so-and-so, or brother so-and-so. Listen, I love every member of our church, and praise God for the young people that are in this church. That's a blessing. We have a lot of young people in our church, but I don't go to church for other people. I go to church because of God. And if I'm the only one showing up, I'm showing up because God's going to be there. And so I'm going to be faithful to God. I'm going to hang on to Him. I'm going to abide in Him. And that's exactly what the text uh, tells us to do. Notice there when it says... Um, verse verse uh, 22, he who is a liar, he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. Uh, Drop down in verse uh, number 24. Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. Well, what have we heard from the beginning? We'll go back to the very beginning of the, the letter in chapter 1. In verse number 1, it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, our hands have handled of the word of life. Jesus Christ, His life was manifest, we have seen it, we bear witness and show you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. John 1 uh, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Chapter 1, verse 14, that the Word became flesh, dwelt among us. And so Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived a sinless, perfect life, died on Calvary's cross, was buried and rose again the third day. That's called the gospel and that's what saves you and me. It's the only thing that saves you and me. No baptismal waters, no church membership, no being a good person, no trying my best, no trying to keep the the Ten Commandments, no no, uh, trying to keep the golden rule. None of that saves you. Only Jesus saves you. Jesus is the Savior. Acts 4.12, there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Must be saved. He is the only way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's it. It's exclusive. The world doesn't like exclusivity. It's like there's many roads to heaven. There's many ways. I've got my own way. I'm just sincere. Listen, sincerity is a lousy savior. Sincerity can have you fly airplanes into buildings thinking that you're going to please God. Sincerity, what I believe, what you believe, does not matter. It's what does the Bible say. So the Bible's very clear. That Jesus is the Savior. If you say that uh, you don't believe in Christ, you're a liar. The truth's not in you. I'm writing these things because you know. And so you have to abide with the truth. Let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye, shall, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. Now, again, this is not the context is not salvation, but fellowship, walking in the same path. Walking in the light, there's no darkness. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. You, you've met people that say they're Christians and their life demonstrates nothing of it. They, oh, I believe in God, I love Jesus, but their life does not testify of it. This is not what we say, this is what actually is true and what we hold to be true and we hang on to and we abide. So we abide with the Word of God, we abide with the Word of life, Jesus Christ, Never let anybody seduce you away from Jesus Christ. He is the only way. He is the Savior. There's not many roads to heaven. There's one way. There's not not many Bibles. For the English-speaking people, there's the King James Bible. That's not my topic today, but that, that is a topic. And we should know that we have a perfectly preserved Word of God that we can trust, we can open up. We don't have to wonder. Matter of fact, He's going to talk about those that would try to seduce us are the ones that would make us feel inferior to them because, you know what, I don't don't have the the degrees that some of these people are. I'm not as smart as they are. Listen, um, never feel inferior when you have the Word of God in your hand, the Spirit of God in your heart. You may not know everything, but you have the ability to know whatever you need to know from the Word of God. And he's going to tell us that we don't have the need for someone to be our teacher. Now, the Bible's not against teaching. Matter of fact, one of the requirements of a pastor is to be a teacher. He gives, that's a gift that God gives us. And so the Bible's not against teachers. What the Bible tells us that when it comes to teaching, we have not, we have an anointing or we have an unction. Now that word unction and anointing in our text, back there in our text, is the same word. In verse number uh, 19 or verse number 20, uh, you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. Now for, for teenagers, that's their life verse. I know all things. And it isn't until you get older, you're like, I guess I didn't really know everything. But you think you know everything. And just know this, if you think you know everything, you don't know everything. As a pastor, well, I know everything, there's a Bible. Yeah, no. There's some things that I I still wrestle with and I still have to study. Listen, as a pastor, someone will come to me and they'll say, hey, preacher, I was reading my Bible about this. What do you think about this? And if I've not been reading my Bible in that area, I'm like... You know what? I'd have to look at that. I don't know. That's a you know, let, let's don't play, try to play stump the pastor, because you you'll win every time. But I say this, I'll be happy to look at it in the Bible and see what it says. Study it out. Find what the context is. I love people to, to look in the Word of God and study it. But we have an unction. We have an anointing. The Holy Spirit of God, when we get saved, seals us in a day of redemption. Let me show you that in Ephesians chapter one. Look over there just quickly. Hold your place here in First John. I'm going to try not to do a lot of turning this morning. Did a little bit more in Sunday school. In Ephesians chapter 1, notice in chapter 1, verse number 13. It says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom you have, after ye have believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. When we hear the word of truth, when we hear that we're a sinner, we need a Savior, we hear that Jesus died uh, for me and died on my behalf, and I repent of my sins and ask Christ to forgive me, at the moment I believe, John five twenty four tells us that we pass from death unto life, and we get the Holy Spirit of God, and it seals us unto the day of redemption. So a seal... It's something that it press on there and you don't break it. It's, so, it's sealed. Matter of fact, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 it says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. So you get filled with the Spirit of God. You get uh, the unction. They get anointing. Now, in a, in a charismatic church, they would tell you that so, after you get saved, someone needs to come and lay hands on you and pray on you. You need to speak in tongues in order to receive the second blessing. That you get the anointing, that you begin to speak in tongues, and that's the evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's unbiblical. Right. And the reason for that, in the book of Romans, it tells us if we have not the Spirit of God, we're none of His. Right. So we don't get the Spirit of God separately. At the moment you get saved, you receive the Spirit of God. Right. I remember I was doing some therapy in a nursing home, and, and a, 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 a black lady came by, and she said, Are you a preacher? And I said, Yes, ma'am. I was talking to a lady about the Lord, and she goes, You ever see the second blessing? I said, oh, man, I've received the third and fourth place. She goes, what? You know, she's like, she's telling me. I, I said, God blesses me every day I get up out of bed. She's like, she goes, you know what I'm talking about? I said, I sure do, but I don't believe what you believe. She's like, oh, okay. Understand the Bible tells us that we are sealed with the, day of, uh, with, the, uh, with the Holy Spirit of God, and we are sealed until the day of redemption, and that, that sealing, the Holy Spirit of God, guides us into all truth. The Bible says that in John 14, John 16. It talks about the role of the Holy Spirit of God. When we come to an independent Baptist church, we don't worship the Holy Spirit of God. We worship God. We worship Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit of God is a silent member of the Godhead. And He always points to the Savior. He doesn't try to draw attention to Himself. The Spirit of God guides us into all truth. He helps us. He comforts us. He's a comfort. He's a paraclete. He comes alongside of us. Helps us, strengthens us, and it, and it resides within us. And so that in the last times, when we hear preaching of the Word of God, when you're saved, the Spirit of God in your heart says, Truth. 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 The converse of that is, is that when you hear false things, when you go, you turn on the television and you're listening to a radio preacher or the television and they're telling stuff. I remember when I drove around at home health, I used to listen a lot of maybe tell, uh, I listened a lot of sports, I'd listen to, uh, uh, preaching sometimes on the radio, and I was like, man, I've never, I've never even thought about it. That's a good message. Until I got home and opened my Bible and realized the thing he was talking about was not in the Bible. <laughs> Nothing messes up good preaching like the Bible. <laughs> but the Bible is the message. We don't read a verse to get to the message. Right. The verse is the message. Yeah. And so that, that abiding, that unction that is within us helps testify to us that it's truth. I heard of an illustration, I think it was Warren Wiersbe, told about um, a man had gotten saved, a missionary had brought him back, he was in an in a, in a, uh, Indian tribe, he was a new believer, a new Christian, he brought him back, I think it was either San Francisco or Los Angeles, either way, he's, that's not a great, great place to be, and so he was, he's walking down the street, and the, and the missionary stops, and there's this guy in the corner, and he's preaching, and the missionary knew the guy was a heretic, knew it was wrong, but they just stopped, and the, the Indian man just sat, sat there and listened to him for a little while, and and then they begin to walk on off, and the missionary asked the, the new Christian, he "Said, what do you think?" And he said, "Me no like him." He said, "Why not?" He said, "Why he preached something in me?" He said, "Liar, liar, liar." It's called the Holy Spirit of God that guides us in all truth. Says, "Ah, eh, this doesn't seem right. Something seems off. I'm going to go to my Bible and see if this is the way it's supposed to be." And so, when we live in these last times. We're to, we're to abide with Christ. We're to abide in the Word of God. He is the Word. We're to, we're to fill our hearts, our minds with Scripture. The Bible says um, that, that we hide His Word in our heart that we might not sin against Him. And so we're, we're to be careful that we abide in that which we have heard from the beginning. You know, there's a saying, if it's new, it's probably not true. And if, if someone comes up with some new teaching, some new doctrine that you've never heard of, they just discovered, you need to run as fast as you can. Ecclesiastes said, there's nothing new under the sun. There's a reason we call it the old time gospel. <laughs> it's the only gospel. And it's, it's, uh, it's never outdated. And so we're to abide with the truth, the teaching of the word of God. Secondly, we're to take the unction that we have, the, the anointing that we have. Let the Spirit of God be our teacher and our guide. Verse 27, the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you. You need not that any man teach you. But the same anointing teacheth you all things, and is truth, and is no lie. And even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. You know, if, if you have a, a teachable spirit and a teachable heart, you read the word of God, God's spirit will help you and guide you in all truth. Just this week, I was, uh, yesterday I was talking to my son-in-law, and he's in a church, and he said that the, an older lady had been sitting at home and she'd been reading her Bible, and she realized she would never been saved. She grew up in a, in a religion. I'm not even sure what it was. And she realized that, I've never been saved. She reading her Bible. She got saved. She thought, well, I'll just, you know, keep reading my Bible and keep doing this. And all of a sudden, more she read, more she studied. She thought, I'm supposed to be a member of a church. I'm supposed to get baptized. Now, she came to this conclusion all of her own. Showed up at a Berean Baptist church, talked to Pastor and said, hey, I just got saved, gave her testimony. And she said, I need to be scripturally baptized and I want to be a member of this church. Now, that'd knock you over as a fe- with a feather with a pastor like that. But how did she do that? Bless her heart, she just had the Bible. Amen. And if you take the Bible and begin to study and read and you got the Holy Spirit of God, you, you have enough equipping right. to find truth. Amen. There was a, a lady that came to our church one time. Her daughter had gotten saved and her son-in-law. And she came to church, and man, she was not happy... God was doing radical things in her daughter's life. She was quitting doing a lot of things she didn't supposed to be doing. Her mom was not happy about it. She came to her mom and she invited her mom to church. And, her, and she warned me. She said, Mom's coming. She's not happy with you. I was like, well, why, what do I got to do with it? And so she came and she sat down. And she sat there with her arms crossed and looked at me while I preached. And, and she came to Sunday school. I taught in Sunday school. And she came up. I went to shake her hand afterwards. And she said, I didn't, she didn't stick her hand out to shake my hand. She goes, I didn't agree with anything you just said. Not one word, and I said, "Well, I didn't write it. I'm just the mailman delivering the mail. <laughs> it's not my book. I just—it's the Bible." And I said, "Just keep listening. You'll—you'll you'll enjoy it." Sometimes she goes, "Nope, nope. Okay. It's okay." So then she was getting ready to go out of the service, and I said. Good to have you here today. No, no, I'll never come back to this place. Now, she wasn't quiet about it. We had a four-year. She was letting up. She was blasting. I'll never come back to this place. And I said, well, I'll pray for you. No, you're not. You're not praying for me. By that time, I'm in the flesh. I'm like, yep, sure am. I'm praying for you. I'm praying. You ain't stopping that, sister. Eventually, she kept coming to church, and she'd come up after service, and she'd say, let me ask you something while we're shaking hands. It was always a highlight of my day, you know. I see. yeah. She said, why do you never call on women to close in prayer? And I said, well, let me ask you a question. Do you really want to know, or you just want to argue? And she just smiled real big. I said, if you want to know, I'll take you to the chapter and verse and talk to you about what it is. But if you want to argue, I got no time for that. So she just walked on off. And then she came through the next time, this and that. End up doing a Bible study, ended up getting saved. And one service, one service, I'll never forget it. She came through the line. She reached over and grabbed my wife, hugged her real big. and She goes, I love this church. Amen. Now, I, I can't change people's heart, but God in heaven can. And his word can. And it's, it's not upon us to prove the Bible. It's just us to give the word of God. We're to stay with it, stay with the book, abide with God, abide with Christ, with what's right. All new teachings, all these new different ways, oh, preaching, all, these, all these different new methods. No, just stay true, stay with the book. You have the uh, anointing, you have the unction, you have the Spirit of God that will guide you and teach you. And then this is the third one, this is the most important one right here, is that now little children abide in Him, that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of Him. Now, the appearing of Christ, the second coming of Christ, is a doctrine that helps us stay pure and stay right. Jesus is coming. So if, you, if you're not ex- expecting Him to come, you can sometimes get a little loose and be like, you know, I don't know, I don't know if He's going to come. He's coming. There's more scripture about his second coming than there was the first, and he came exactly like he said on the first. Jesus said this in John 14, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, if I go to prepare a place for you, and this is what this, I will come again. Now, I'm staying with Jesus. Peter tells us in the last days there's going to be scoffers. Where is the promise of His coming? People are getting married and things are just going on in the world. And where, Listen, Jesus is coming. And it's a purifying doctrine. Now, notice what John does in chapter 3. It's almost like he mentions about those that do righteousness are born of God. And it's almost like he has a shout and fit in verses 1 and 2 about the being born again. Beloved, or behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God, Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now we are the sons of God. Not we shall be. We are now. Salvation is something you know in this life, not the life to come. And he says, Beloved, now we are the sons of God. Behold, what manner. That phrase, what manner, is almost like something that's foreign out of this world. Remember when the disciples, when Jesus was on the boat and he calmed the storm, they said, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the waves obey him? This is foreign to this... God's love for us is foreign to us. It's not shallow. It's not like, well, you know, if I do something, God will love me. No, listen, the Bible tells us that He loves us. It's really the greatest truth you'll ever discover in the Bible that Jesus loves me. P.P. P. Bliss, we sang that song. He, he wrote the song, Oh, How I Love Jesus. And after he wrote that, he said, I almost feel guilty singing about my poor, pitiful love for God. And then he wrote that song, Jesus loves even me in my if I'm so thankful that my uh, father's book, uh, these things he's uh, written. Man, I'm butchering the song, but you, we sang it. And this is the greatest truth, that he loves even me. And so John says, man, this is awesome. that he, he, he what, Beloved, what manner of love he's, he's bestowed upon us. That word bestow is a great word to study out. It has to do with something that's a gift that you give someone. You bestow it. It's not earned. You you just give it. And once something gets bestowed, it can never be brought back. If you like a little cream in your coffee, a little sugar, once you put that cream and sugar in the coffee, it ain't coming out. If you put too much, you're like, Oh, man, I'm going to get a little bit of that back out. It ain't happening. When you take tea and put a, a big gallon of sugar in it and bake it in there, I'm talking about so good that you can use it on your pancakes the next morning when you <laughs> pour it on there. Once that sugar goes in, it ain't coming out. That's that word bestowed. When God bestows his love upon us, you don't lose it, it doesn't come back. You know, sometimes the kids are like, he loves me, he loves me not. He lo- you never have to do that with God. He loves me. This yeah. I know. And so John is, is almost just like, oh man, I can't believe. what manner of love? Behold. Uh, beloved now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be now that hasn 't stopped a lot of people to take some creative liberty to figure out what we 're going to be like in heaven. How old will we be what you know what 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 will be our height, what color of eyes will we have there 's a lot of uh, things that we don 't know we know what we know is is that From Jesus' glorified body, he had a real body. He was not limited by time or space. He could walk through a wall. He could appear. He could disappear. He still had the nail prints in his hands. He could eat physically. He broke bread with them. So we know a few things, but we don't know a lot of things. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15 about the the body that which goes in the ground is not what that which comes out. And so we're going to be changed. The Bible says that the twinkling of an eye, the trump of God shall sound, the last trumpet. And and, and that's not like the last Donald Trump heir. It's the trump of God that sounds and we're going to be called up together with him and our bio bodies shall be changed. And this is what we know. We should be like him. That's good enough. Well, what are we going to be like? What's our age? What's this? I don't know all that, but I know this. We're going to be like him and that's enough. If I get to be like myself, matter of fact, that's God. We talked about this in Sunday school. Class. God's ultimate goal for us as Christians, once you get saved, is to be like his son made in His image. And so when we're waiting for Jesus to come, while we're abiding in His Word, abiding with what we've heard from the beginning, staying true, being guided by the Spirit of God, we are anticipating His soon return. And the Bible says in verse 3 of chapter 3 that this this is a purifying doctrine. Notice it says... uh, End of verse 2, that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. So there's something about the second coming, living in the light of the second coming, in the last days, every day reminding ourselves Jesus is coming, that helps us stay on the straight and narrow. There was an illustration I heard of a, a man who's over in Europe. He went to a garden, and this gardener had worked in this garden for 25 years. Now, he didn't own it. The owner paid him to, to live there and work and keep the garden, and it was immaculate. It was incredible. And this visitor was walking around saying, "It's like, man, he says, do you, you own this? He says, no, I, I'm just a gardener. He said, how long have you done this? He said, 25 years. He said, how, how often is the owner here? Is the owner here? He said, the owner's been here in four, four times since I've been here in 25 years. And he said, the last time he was here was 12 years ago. And the guy's like, wow, well, you sure keep this up. You almost like keep it up like you're expecting him to come back tomorrow. And he said, no, sir, today. Today's when I expect him. And so his anticipation caused him to live in the light of, I've got to keep doing right because the master may come today. That will help us as believers to know. Let, let me give it a little closer illustration for those maybe grew up like I did. If if my, my dad told me to make sure the trash is taken out, my room is clean, and this is supposed to be done, and I ask him, what time are you getting home, Dad? <laughs> get it done before I get home. So I'm thinking, I got time. Playing, goofing off, and all of a sudden I hear coming down the driveway my dad's vehicle. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to jump into action. Get everything done, last minute try to do it. Why? I'm going to be ashamed of His appearing. I'm going to shrink back. I'm going to be upset. There's going to be consequences. There'll be loss. Instead of reward, there'll be loss. And as a believer, living in these last days, when people would try to seduce us and say, it, I can't believe you still go to church. You know you can watch church online. You know watching church online and listen, we've got live stream, I know some live streaming today, and praise God for that technology. But watching church online is like watching a fireplace on your TV screen. It crackles, it makes noise. But there's no heat coming out. And watching church online, you're like, was oh, pretty good. Well, you should have been there. Should have, you should have sensed the, the spirit in that place. And so there's no substitute of doing right he is coming. We, we want to make sure that we're living right and doing right. And the justification of why I go to church, of why, why I sing specials, of why I join the choir, why I tithe, why I give the missions is all going to be vindicated when He comes back. There's going to be rewards to gain. There'll be rewards to lose. Let me, let me close with this. If Jesus comes back today and, and uh, you're lost... For eternity, you'll spend a place, uh, spend a a torment in a place called hell. That's not to scare you, that's just the reality of what the Bible says. And you don't have to die lost. You can get saved today. You can humble yourself, ask God to forgive you, repent, turn from your sins, ask God to save you, and, and get saved today. And you need to be saved. But for those that are saved, the devil desperately wants to devour you. He's like a roaring lion seeking who may devour your flesh. The world is going to be constantly against you, trying to, get you, to seduce you to, keep, to fall, make you fall away. And if, if, if I was to take your phone, if you had your cell phone today, and I was to take it and you gave me your cell phone and I took the passcode off of it, and I began to push your playlist of what's on your phone in here in church for everyone to hear, I wonder if there would be some sh- cringing, some shrinking, like, haw, oh, I didn't know he was going to play it in church. Or if I took the phone and, and we dropped the screen down and, and I was able to cast your phone up on the, on the screen and we were able to look at your last search history, your last YouTube videos you've watched, what you were looking at or what you're doing. I wonder if we would be ashamed. I wonder if we like, matter of fact, if I said tonight everybody come back, we've got this new technology, we will be able to project off your heart the things that you're thinking about. And we'll put it on the screen. I got a feeling this place is not going to be well packed out tonight but one that knows our every thoughts and is coming back. May we be right with him and not be ashamed of his appearing. Knowing that he could come back makes us get some things right. And so let's not think that he's not coming back. Let's not live like that. I don't think we do. I think everyone that's here today say like, I, I believe Jesus is coming back. But if he did come back, are you right with him? Or is there some things that you need to get right today? There's some bitterness in your life. You've got a grudge against someone you're not you're listen god doesn't want us to be unforgiving maybe there's some sin in our life maybe some things that we shouldn't be doing that we're doing nobody else knows about it but god does and know what? this invitation time is for us to be able to respond and get everything thoroughly right with him and that we would not be ashamed if he comes this afternoon or say you know what i'm right i'm totally right with god i, I don't have odd against anybody i'm not mad i'm I'm not looking at stuff I shouldn't look at. I've asked for forgiveness. And you can do that during the invitation. And let me encourage you to do that. And let me encourage you this. You say, well, preacher, if I go forward, people are going to think that I've got sin in my life. Let me let you know a little secret. All of us, all of us have some things we could work on. All of us could humble ourselves and say, God, my attitude's not what it's been. I shouldn't be like that. My temper, I shouldn't lose my temper. I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't listen to that. I shouldn't look at that. Whatever it is today, whatever God, the, Holy God, the Holy Spirit of God speaks your heart about, needles your heart, today's the day to get right with Him. Let's go ahead and stand this morning. If you're not saved, I have an invitation for you to come and get saved. If you're saved today, is there anything in your life that you say, you know what, I'd, I'd be ashamed at His appearing. I'm not sure what I'd do. I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask the pastor to take the invitation. And then you come this morning as God leads. Father, we are so thankful for the word of God. Thank you how the message spoke to my heart. And I, I pray as we anticipate your soon return, it's a purifying doctrine. Thank you for your love for us. Lord, help us to live in the light of your soon return. Help us not to be seduced. Help us to abide in you. Help us to take the unction that you've given us, the, the anointing of the spirit of God that guides us and teaches us in all truth. And help us today to know that you're coming and look for your soon return. Bless the invitation today. Save the one closest to hell. Lord, for those that are saved, God, help us to be thoroughly right with you. We ask and pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We don't have to
0: wait for the music. I'll tell you what, it's all been good today. It'd be even better if we responded. If God's touched your heart in any way, maybe you just want to come pray for somebody else. You come as we sing. Number 166. 166. It's a good song to think about.